Okay, so this is going to be the second recording for my podcast. And in this one, I'm going to talk a little bit about politics. Actually, I'll try and cover as much as I can think of. Um, yeah, so starting from the beginning, my, my opinion is primarily more in terms of the U.S. politics. Because mostly... He has a higher tendency of guiding the opinions and how other how other countries actually are affected more by its politics than probably any other country. So previously, the last president was Obama, and uh, he broke grounds for a number of things. First of all, because he was black. Second, because as a liberal, he, people used to say that he would um, change America to be something different, which is something that he actually had in his slogan. So if I remember correctly, I think uh, I think it was yes, we can, but there was a lot of emphasis on change. So with regards to actually what happened, okay, after he lost, uh, he did his two terms. They tried to advocate for Hillary to be the next presidential candidate for the Democrats, but then uh, that didn't go out as planned because even though the polls said that she had a higher chance of winning, she lost because, well, things didn't go according to plan. And uh, if you are interested in watching a shit show happen, that is one of the most interesting things you can happen because you have someone who basically had the confidence that something will go their way, and it didn't. So now you have your whole worldview challenged, and you have to accept that you lost, or fight reality. That's primarily what she did at the beginning. She gracefully accepted defeat because that's commonly what you do as a well, a second runner. If you lose, you are intentionally expected to gracefully accept it. Uh, it's more or less custom in the U.S. to prevent any sums, any form of uh, retaliation or people saying that we should try and possibly prevent you from becoming president or even forming a kind of civil war. So, in essence, she had to gracefully accept that she lost, which she did, only to be followed up soon afterwards with her saying that there was tampering by Russia, which is why she lost. Now, note that they didn't actually say that Russia directly hacked the system that does voting and inflated the numbers. No. The idea is that Russia put up bots on Twitter and Facebook and influenced people's opinions that now eventually voted for Trump. So in essence, what they are saying is a foreign international body basically try to convince people who is the better candidate for them. But if you sit down and think about it, this isn't something that U.S. actually doesn't do also. Like, for example, if there was a presidential race in U.K. or in any other country, the president may come up and say, I actually prefer this person over another person, and it's a common thing. 
and even to come on to the point where someone may actually win an election, especially for countries that have less clout. Let's say African countries or Middle Eastern countries that basically have less clout or more less power in the international scene. If one of these presidents actually goes into power and they feel this is in their guy, they will come out and say we don't support him. Maybe even his policies. But now, because Russia apparently uh, influenced people's opinion, that was taken as evidence uh, evidence that Trump actually influenced it this way. And uh, primarily the reason I believe they went for that is before that, before even the elections were done, uh, Hillary is a co- well, Hillary had an email account somewhere. And it was personal. So think of the way that you have your Gmail server as your own personal email. And you can have your own domain. And your domain can have its own email server. And that email server that you use personally to keep your email records, you can actually also use your personal email to do some work email. So it's a common thing to occur. So uh, let's say somebody just knows this email of yours that's personal, and then they just shout you out there and ask if you're interested in doing a certain uh, work. So that's that's not out of the ordinary, but what she did is she actually kept government-related emails in a personal email server, which was hacked by Russians, well, purportedly by Russians. My main point is, it revealed a couple of things which were very damning for her. But because she is pretty high up there in the tiers of people who know, well, she used to be a first lady because her husband, Bill Clinton, was the president, just as a side note. And while Obama was president, she was... Well, can't remember the st- the position she was given, but basically, well, she served a high role in the government. So, she basically has a high history of, a long history of working at high roles in the government, to the point where, if something was to occur to this sense of, you broke some laws, basically you need to, uh, face some well the law needs to decide how to deal with it whether you're going to pay a fine jail term or something of the sort it's pretty easy for someone for her position and her level to make that thing just disappear and that's almost one of the reasons that people even additionally say on the if you check out internet blogs that the Hillary camp has a high rate of assassinating people who speak out against them now going back to the beginning at the beginning when this race was happening i well i didn't i wouldn't say i picked a cup i would say that i was more interested in seeing who would win and my bet was on hillary because well she had she had a higher chance of winning and I used to be pro Obama at the moment. And the only thing that during his whole term that I considered was all for him was uh, 
how he dealt with Snowden since Snowden actually did go live in his term and he, did, he revealed that uh, the CIA had a tapping of uh, US citizens which was unauthorized to the point where they were basically spying on everyone. So for guys who are actually living on the IT scene where we had an inkling that the CIA was spying on people but you wouldn't know to what extent this actually became pretty damning to the point where it wasn't a question of who or when. So it's not like let's say they spied on people haphazardly at certain point. It was an continuous always on the basis for every single person that they called. Which um, if you think about it, the amount of data that they actually now have on you, it's pretty damning. So anything you've ever googled anything that you've ever texted any call that you ever had regardless whether they have the metadata of how long you made that call to who or the entire recording of the call itself it's a history and that history can tell almost everything about you whether you want to be private or not and uh well, Obama, which previously he talked about before he became president, is that he was going to reduce the amount of CIA spying that was happening. But actually, in his time, he actually increased. And uh, when Snowden came out and said that this was happening, instead of actually now giving the guy uh, leeway that basically, yeah, he was just pointing out a fact, he was taken up as an enemy of the state. So under the Patriot Act, the Patriot Act, so basically you'd be treated like a spy, and um, which was one of the main things that he wouldn't agree to if he was to come back to the US because uh, he fled and currently is residing in Russia. If he went back to the US, he'd basically have to be served as a spy. The court proceeding wouldn't be free to all, there wouldn't be a jury, and the judges would have free reign to decide everything and it would be basically like a black ops treating a, a jihadi person so you just disappear into the woodworks and you would only appear when they've decided it's your time to appear or you can basically disappear and never be seen again so facing those odds I doubt anyone would actually be interested in going back so uh, okay, basically, at that point, I started to see he was less like the person he was portraying himself for the media. Well, the father was supporting him as a down-to-earth person who was fighting for people's rights and more likely like a person who was towing the line, more or less. So, understandably, you could say that he's making a compromise, but more or less the point where some black Americans actually did say that life under Obama didn't increase or didn't become better. And I've even read about stats that say the number of people who were killed by police under Obama didn't vary or decrease. They actually increased under his rule. Whether they increased or whether they stayed the same way or increased, it means that basically he didn't make life better for black americans which was primarily his selling point that he was black and he knew 
the struggles of black people so he would make life easier for black people but when he got into the office i won't specifically say who said this note but he's a well a black person in us but he said that he was the equivalent of a white man or a black guy with a white white mentality so he he looked black but he acted white and more or less you could say that he didn't connect or care as much about the struggles of your average middle income or low income black americans so in a sense if you are to consider him as a person who was color blind who didn't care about one color or another he'd be an okay president but if you put him in power particularly because he is black so you need to put more emphasis on our color then he was a bad president but still blacks voted for him because he was black so it's one of the funny gray areas of these things so eventually anyway he served the two terms and now he promoted hillary who came up with the idea of um i'm a woman there's never been a woman president in the history of the u.s so let's now break another barrier let me become the first female president and uh, yeah i'll break rules and uh, <laughs> well she didn't use the slogan make america great again but basically that's entirely higher her stance of how she imagined her president would be a great america but on the other hand trump was more of the business-minded person now this is my point there's always been an argument which i do agree with that the government is run by people who basically see like the government's ability to acquire money like a trust fund can think of it like a, a kid who just inherited millions from his trust fund from a recently deceased uh, parent so he's never had to work a single day in his life he's basically inherited so much money that in his mind he may not be able to ever finish in his lifetime and basically this is his life since he was a kid so money to him feels as normal as having water so the idea of rationing it makes no sense in the same way that the government spending always tends to go higher and higher with the mentality that taxes will always go up we'll always make more money don't need to cut corners and so on so there is an argument by uh well these guys who actually do economy if the government was run like a business where they had a quarter of how much they need to make how much they need to save and how much they can utilize the money and make the best out of it they'll be running it at a better note even if you consider how they even give out tenders well uh, actually the one thing you'd have to consider is corruption is malignant it's always going to be there and it's even in the united states or <coughs> practically any country in the world because if you were to think about what corruption is in a sense it's favoring one person over another based on your own bias so whether or not there was a bias of future reward so someone didn't give you money right now to hire this person but you knew like let's say later on they give you well let's scratch your back later on so corruption can occur with or without 
monetary transfer it can be even to the point where uh, let's say even that you may have the power to influence things that will favorably work for someone else's hand so there's multiple ways that this would occur so if you're back back to the point of how the government runs things if they are giving out tenders as a business even there was a little bit of well the back handshakes of making sure that you got the best deal if a business was to perform any backhand corruption way of making sure that they got the best deal it will always come back in the favor of the business they wouldn't perform an act of corruption and then end up paying for the highest tender it will always be the other way around so they may actually pay someone so that they get a deal that's lower than well if they are outsourcing they basically try and mark up the price as possible but if they are insourcing they try and lower the price as much as possible that's the logic of it but in terms of how the government would run itself they are more likely to pick uh, tenders which are overpriced because someone somewhere came to an agreement with the person who's providing the service that you can hike up your price to a certain point and uh fine the government will pay they basically have a shitload of money but in return at a certain point you'll need to scratch back my back so uh quid pro quo uh but if it was run more like a business the business would consider the government would consider that we are going in a loss so basically they'd be more concerned with uh at the end of the day we picked this tender fine but with hindsight there are still people who would be more than willing to take that same tender for even half or even a quarter of the price and offer the same amount of services so why are we sticking to this tender still so that's an idea of basically why some people would say that if the government was run like a business it would be run better and uh, so basically that's one of the few things that made Trump appeal more to the to the demography that he was pointing at and personally I was impressed that he won and I was interested to see how he'd run it so if you are to think about how his term went well so far I believe he's gone about two or three years I'd say uh, in terms of sticking to his goals uh, I'd say he's basically been able to do more than enough and here's my point uh, the number of things that usually president goes into the well they make a promises that they're going to do a number of things when they get into office he had an idea of things that he could do or he could not do and some people may argue like for example he said that mexico would pay for the wall mexico didn't pay for the wall they did and actually what he did in return is he actually ended up paying mexico to do something else they paid mexico to make sure that immigrants didn't cross the border because usually there's a i'm not sure if they paid i am sure they actually did increase that amount so mexico usually gets some relief amount from us certain certain amount of money it's usually an ongoing thing that they do as a relief to their north american country so 
Trump made a threat that if they don't stop people coming in, they'd cut off that trade, which was a huge risk for the country. So they eventually stopped people smuggling in from other countries to across uh, the border to US and in return he actually increased the amount so that he can help their border control guys do the job more efficiently. Now if you look at it from an overlay of whether Mexico did pay for the war you'd say yeah that was bullshit that didn't happen and uh, you actually ended up giving them more money but what was the end the result of what people wanted the wall to be built and less illegal immigrations and he actually did that at the end of the day, so this is just my opinion. Usually when you have a plan, the plan rarely goes according to the way that you envisioned it, envisioned it at the beginning. Usually there may be hard, there are likely hurdles that you didn't anticipate and some things crop up that basically if you have to take a hard stance and move straight and refuse to uh, readjust your course you'd go nowhere but if you have to look at it as more as a game of chess so some outside forces are trying to well basically retaliate to your actions the best move is to find another angle the best works for you and this is something that i believe he works perfectly better than ever perfectly better than i've seen well prior presidents do okay take for example how he deals with every country in terms of might if he's talking to russia he knows that's a country that has more than enough clout to fight back so it comes more in the sense of if you're going to increase your arsenal we are going to increase an arsenal so if you're basically it's like two bodybuilders working out if the other bodybuilder came back the next day and is stronger and the other bodybuilder now needs to work out more to be equally as strong as him so he comes less as a more of intimidation and more of equal present equal proof of strength so now that makes the russian president and the russian body more scared because you have a president who's more willing to up the ante to the point where no one is willing to up the ante anymore and i believe that would work but we'll have to see time will tell take another example now with iran iran's a country with enough uh, military power not to attack the u.s but to control its area in terms of being able to sustain uh, an attack from the US and this is something that uh, <clears throat> I've seen people actually talk about this if the US was to attack Iran well assuming first we chose to attack first if Iran attacks out of the blue because there are military bases all over the area that are belonging to the US including naval carriers if they attack out of the blue they have a higher chance of injuring the US substantially the same way that japan did with a um there's a naval port that they attacked okay i can't remember the name of the naval port but basically they attacked a naval port and that's what basically now forced us into world war ii and particularly to make sure that they defeated japan because that was the power that 
there to attack one of its naval bases. So, regarding this, if you see how basically they, uh, how he basically deal with this, he made sure that Iran has less and less power. More particularly, it's a country that works and its economy is oil dependent. So he made sure that it can't exploit its oil so the economy hurts. When the economy uh, dips, you have less power to build military weapons, pay for your military and so on. So a government that basically is trying to keep its head afloat has less power to fight back. And that's the angle that he'd prefer. Same thing with the, what he did with North Korea. Only to the extent now, North Korea was, it was even in a more weaker position. It wasn't a country that was exporting oil. So its economy was never amazing to begin with. So that choke was very effective to the point where uh, Kim Jong-un basically decided to call it quits and in one way or another try to reach a ceasefire. Even though it seems like he's playing the long game, maybe hoping that the upcoming election, Trump doesn't get elected, some other guy gets into power, the other guy is softer, and uh, he'll always back down to pressures of war. Depend whether or not that actually is the game that they're playing. Right now, he's in a position where he knows it's a bad idea to threaten US into war where prior they used to be very vocal about we will bomb the u.s out of existence when the same threat is thrown back to north korea we will bomb you out of existence now that's something that they actually will scare their military body out of <laughs> the delusion that they have of we have superiority like japan used to have japan had a mentality that we are a country that can actually take over the world when you come from the point of continuously being able to defeat smaller countries around you then facing a superpower which continuously beats you over and over and over again then it knocks into perspective of what actually the real world is like so in the same sense some of north korea's uh generals may be under this delusion that we are a great country in the sense that yeah they do have a good number of a good number of weapons in the arsenal so to the sense they basically called their uh, they've called the people their their population to obedience more or less the way that germany did under the nazi control so they've made sure that people who are citizens in their countries will would would rather do anything but object to the government's opinion so in this sense you have a false sense of a delusion that things are working okay also in the same sense countries that are around you don't want to provoke you into war more or less because war is not a profitable thing as it used to be before because maybe prior there was a time where you could colonize a country drain it of its resources, recoup your losses, and when you are satisfied with all the, well, 
stuff that you go back on your return let's say resources minerals and so on when you leave you would have more or less recouped your losses a hundred times over but in this generation if you go to war you more or less can't loot a country out of existence you more or less just basically have to go into war to prevent further advances and either have to do extra amount of now occupation just to prevent any regime from trying to repeat the same thing again so the amount of money that you actually end up spending in war just keeps on racking up and the profit well the advantages coming out can only be argued from the point of they prior to this they were causing us damage in one way or another right now they're not so that's the only advantage that you have versus the billions that you're spending on this so it's not an arguable position from a country that is trying to advance in one way or another and even if you are developed countries there's always the argument of money is better spent doing something else because there is no such thing as a country that's developed to the point where there is no further development needed so always someone has to weigh the pros and the cons if south korea fights north korea the economy will tumble they'll have less tourism and even if they win the war they'll have lost the fight because what they were before will be a shadow of basically what they are right now and if you are okay this is my point at the end of this all if you're someone who's actually going to work at this usually the cool thing is when you're sitting at one of these uh, high prestigious seats as a president or someone else you have people below you advisors who tell you this is a bad idea because of one two three and four and this is one of the main reasons that i actually think that probably obama would allow the cia to do what it does there is a high likelihood from where i stand that in one of these briefings you are told things that will scare the shit out of you and you have to accept one of the few things that may be the reality of the world so whatever it is that they tell you you have to basically weigh the pros and the cons and see that the cons of basically putting your head in the sand like an ostrich and hoping things go well is way way too risky compared to the devil that you have to live with of being paranoid and watching every corner at everyone <coughs> and hopefully catching something that is in hopefully catching something before it actually happens well that risk is terrorism or something else or something that is too classified that they'd rather not share to the public it's something that is become acceptable in today's society so with that in mind you have a position of someone who has to work with the information that they're given so my take in all this um one of the things i'd say is people actually do 
people actually do pay attention to people who actually would pay attention to politics whether you are right wing or left wing if you are not to the point where if someone tells you let's say for example Obama is the incarnation of evil and uh US basically luckily escaped being fundamentally changed and ruined by this person or if you hear someone say that and you feel enraged to the point where you need to verbally abuse them and so on and so on if you have basically a hard stance on your side whether you believe the democrats are the perfect angels and the republicans are the demons or vice versa if your point is there is no gray ground that let's say for example this is something that happens rarely these days so as i've seen from the us politics it's pretty rare to hear someone switching sides correct me if i'm wrong but as far as i've known that hasn't happened recently so if you're coming from the position that one side is right because people never switch sides so basically if you fall on the other side you're the ignorant conniving or you basically have negative ideas or basically you're trying to ruin the world for a profit if that's your opinion of how things work your hard stance basically stops you from seeing that there is a middle ground that is acceptable so one of the few things that I'd recommend that would be interesting to see even as a TV show or something else if you could get someone who's who can entertain ideas from the other side even if it's not all of them just to the point where they can have a civil debate if you are liberal so basically you watch CNN would you be willing to sit with someone who watches Fox News and basically let them explain to you how they see news from their own opinion because it's something that i know for a fact if let's say for me because right now i'm more prone to watch fox uh, fox news and feel that they are portraying the reality better than cnn more or less because i feel cnn has an agenda whereas vice versa would happen if someone was liberal so if you are interested to have someone show you the world from their own eyesights maybe you can see where the middle ground is instead of seeing someone who's spring propaganda and you're just sitting there amazed that people would eat this shit up while you are on the other side and someone is saying the exact same thing about you and uh yeah so if basically you would be able to try this then this is something that i'm actually considering this would be an interesting experiment because it would actually prove how many of the population are skewed to a certain point where it's almost to a religious point whether it's left or right and some how many are just in the middle just basically trying to avoid the battle of whichever side you side on the other one will attack you so uh you are pacifist in a sense of 
let's say if you are around liberals you inspire liberals ideas if you are around republicans you agree to some of the ideas so you just blend in and move on it would be interesting to know how many people are in these two separate islands convinced that they are huge islands and they need to wake up to the reality that the world is smaller than they think.